This is Midlife Mastery, session number 11. Welcome to the Midlife Mastery podcast. If getting control of your time, your money, and your life matters to you, then you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Peter Fritz. If you've been toying with the idea of creating a side project, a side hustle, or you'd like to build a fully-fledged business on your own, doing something that you enjoy, then you need to check out the guys over at Fizzle. Fizzle is an online training resource library for indie entrepreneurs who want to build something doing something that they actually enjoy. You can get access for five weeks for free to their entire course library, the nine-stage roadmap, the powerful founder story interviews, and the online community of other members who are there to support and encourage you. Just go to midlifetribe.com fizzle and you'll get five weeks for free. Hey, welcome back to Midlife Mastery. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and if you could leave an honest rating and a review, that would be awesome and it'll help other people to find the show. Today, we're going to talk about why you're still broke. Years ago, I used to have a spending problem, so much so that I used to actually treat junk mail like my personal shopping list. And deep down, I guess I wish that my life was like those photos that you see on Instagram. You know, the ones, those guys, they're all wearing fancy watches and they're standing in a driveway full of Italian exotica and they're surrounded by a clutch of bikini babes draped all over them. I was kind of pathetic, I guess, now that I think about it. I'm not really sure how I ended up that way. Somehow, I'd managed to toss out all of those good lessons that I'd gleaned from my parents about working hard, saving my money, and only buying what I could afford. I guess I figured that if I got myself into enough debt and bought all the trappings of success, I'd become successful. It took me way too long to learn that this is just a, it's a dumb way to go about things. Mind you, the hard work part of it was never a problem. It wasn't unusual for me to work 20 hours straight, even 24 hours on some occasions. But I now know that that was pretty stupid too. After about 14 hours, your brain is usually pretty fried and the last six hours produce the equivalent of really maybe one good hour when you're fresh. During that period though, I managed to buy three apartments and two houses and a couple of fancy cars and I started a couple of businesses, neither of which did very well. I made good money, but I lost plenty too. I won't go into the cause of my dramatic fall from grace, only to say it involved the financial crisis, a 50% drop in my income, overnight mind you, and of course a divorce. The second one, in case you're asking. But had I been more careful with my money, none of these things would have been nearly as dramatic. Maybe I would have kept all the properties. Perhaps I wouldn't have gotten divorced. I'll never know this for sure, of course. Still, I know that poor spending habits and a lack of worst-case planning were a big part of my downfall. Maybe you're in the same situation that I was. Maybe you're trying to keep up with your own Joneses. In today's product-saturated world, it's easy to do. I know what it's like. Everywhere you go, you're hammered with thousands of marketing messages. And like anything you see over and over again, you start to believe it's normal. Well, it's not normal. Making 100 grand a year and spending 105 on crap that you don't need is going to send you broke no matter how much you church it up. It'll end up making you sick too. You'll fight with your partner and you'll probably start drinking more than you should or you'll start binge watching Netflix or something. Basically, it ruins everything and then you end up divorced and then your life really turns to crap financially. So what would I have done differently? More to the point, what do I do these days? Well, here's my recipe for not being broke in simple bite-sized chunks. First of all, figure out 
what is it that's driving you? We all have role models. Many of them were given to us whether we liked it or not. But some of them are optional. Here are what I think are the main culprits. Number one, your parents, including what they valued, the relationship that they had with money, and the meaning that they attached to it. It could have been a scarcity mindset, or it could have been their desire to keep up with the neighbours, or maybe they had that sort of money's not important philosophy. Number two, your peers. This includes where they live, what they wear, what they drive, where their kids go to school, and where they go for holidays in the summer, that kind of stuff. And the third thing, the third one, which I think is the most insidious, is marketing messages. This includes how easily you believe the rubbish that you read and that you see on TV. Uh, it includes whether you devour all the junk mail that comes in your letterbox or whether you toss it straight into the bin. And how easily these marketing messages trigger this dreaded new shiny syndrome. All of these sources have got one thing in common, modelling. The trouble is they're modelling the wrong groups, the ones that are going to keep you broke. You tend to become the average of the people that you spend the most time with. So if those people have got a reckless and unbalanced relationship with money, then so will you. It's inevitable. And if they're echoing every marketing channel that you consume, like TV, radio, magazines, billboards, eBay, Amazon, whatever, then you're really screwed. Remember, broke people stay broke by living like they're rich, and the Joneses want to keep you broke. So, sack them. I know a couple of rich people. To most observers, they don't look that rich, but their assets and their investment portfolios tell a different story. You know what really makes them rich? What makes them rich is a commitment to loving the process, not the attainment of trinkets. They've fallen in love with the work, the sacrifice and the process of delayed gratification. They get enormous pleasure from watching their assets grow. And they get a deep sense of satisfaction from knowing that they could pay cash for a Lamborghini Aventador, but they choose not to. They've got power, freedom and autonomy. In other words, they enjoy the game. They like to create stuff, they love to accumulate wealth, and they love knowing that if things really turn bad, they'd be just fine. For them, hard work is a privilege. They know what they're good at, and they've tripled down on it. They block out all the noise from status-seeking friends, and they stick to their own game. They ascribe to one of my favourite sayings, which is, what you think of me is none of my business. Borrowing money to buy a car or a TV or, heaven forbid, a holiday, in my opinion, is stupid. I reckon you should buy a five-year-old car or older and pay cash for it. You should buy your TV on eBay or Amazon. And you should holiday where you can afford to holiday. It's really simple. It's not rocket science. Kill off your consumer debts as fast as you can and never get them back, is what I reckon you should do. Use the points on your credit card to get cash back and use that money to buy your stuff cheap online. I never exchange points on my credit card for products. And don't even think about taking up interest-free offers from those big box retailers, you know, like furniture stores, electrical stores, that kind of stuff. Before you know it, you'll end up paying 25% per annum on a fridge that's three years old now. Always pay cash and, where possible, buy someone else's mistake secondhand. In other words, you know, something that they bought, that they got tired of, that, you know, they wanted something new and flashy, so they're getting rid of it cheap. There's always plenty of those around. And doing this, you're going to save bucket loads. I mean, after all, a two-year-old Miele dishwasher still looks like a new one, only it costs half as much. Some people want to pay off their house as quickly as they can. Personally, I'm not interested in paying my house off. I'd rather pay interest only and use the difference to buy another one and let the tenant help pay for it. 
But if you're still clinging to the dream of owning your own home, well, here's what I suggest. The first option is to get an offset account, a mortgage offset account, and make sure that all your income goes into that. Pay all your bills with your credit card and then use this offset account to pay off the card in full each month. I'll give an example. If you've got a $500,000 mortgage and you've got 50000 in your mortgage offset account, well, interest on your mortgage is only calculated on 450000 instead of 500000 And because you're using your credit card to pay your bills, you also accumulate all those lovely points, which you can then exchange for cash back. Not gadgets, not iPads and TVs and other rubbish like that, but cash, real money back. Now, if you lack the discipline to leave money sitting in an account like a mortgage offset account, or you worry that you'll overspend on your card, then here's another idea. Assuming you've got a principal and interest loan, which is what most people have, then split your monthly mortgage payment in two into two payments and pay it every fortnight instead of every month. I'll give you an example. If you've got a $500,000 mortgage over 30 years at 6.5%, it's going to cost you $3,160 a month, and you're going to pay $637,000 in interest. Now, if you split that in half and pay $1,580 a fortnight instead of $3,160 a month, you'll pay off your mortgage six years earlier, and you'll save almost $147,000 in interest just by paying it fortnightly. Splitting it in half, paying it fortnightly. Easy. Another thing that uh, is wise to do is to invest automatically. I'm a big proponent of this. If you wait until you've got leftover money to invest, well then you never do it. If you wait till you earn more money than what you're earning now, then again you'll never do it because our spending, it's so easy for our spending to uh, grow and expand to meet our current income. The two most important elements of investing are time in the market, in other words, starting early so the magic of compounding can happen, and the second most important component is fees. Leverage is also important, but for 99% of us, it only applies when we invest in real estate. I'm going to give you this as bluntly as I can. Do not try and trade stocks or you'll lose. Do not try and time the market or you'll lose. The only exception is when you first get in. If you can buy when the market has crashed, then you're effectively buying when everything's on sale. If you're in any doubt about the fallacy of timing the market, then read Tony Robbins' book, Unshakable. Third one is, do not get a financial advisor. You don't need one, certainly not in the beginning, not for a long time. Do not invest in any managed fund that is actively managed. In other words, they buy and sell stocks because the fees will destroy your earnings. So what do I recommend? I recommend the same thing that Warren Buffett has recommended since time immemorial. Set aside at least 10% of every dollar that you earn, much more if you can, and automatically deposit it into a low-cost index fund. Uh, The most popular, probably, are the Vanguard index funds. Since as much as 95% of stock traders never beat the index, you'll be way ahead of the game. Uh, Now, I agree it isn't sexy, but the fees are minuscule and the tax benefits are real. That means that most of the earnings go to you. Then, and this is the key, don't touch it. Don't fiddle with it. Don't withdraw it until you're old and crusty. Let compounding do its thing. To diversify further, get yourself a few index funds across different groups. The thing here is to stay in the market. Every time it goes up, you win. Every time it goes down, your regular contributions buy more units. 
because everything's cheap. So you win again. Okay, now, obviously, like any discussion around money, there's a lot more detail that we could go into than we have time for here. But seriously, if you follow the basic guidelines of what I've, we've discussed here, you're going to be ahead of 95% of people who just bumble along and get tossed around by the winds and never really develop an intentional strategy around how to treat their money. Um, if you're in a hole right now, like I was years ago, then following these basic guidelines are going to give you a much greater chance of pulling yourself out of that hole so that you can get to a point where you have greater certainty and a whole lot more optimism about your future. That's it from me. Thanks again for listening to Midlife Mastery. Uh, if you haven't already gotten yourself a copy, I've got a free download for you over at midlifetribe.com slash 15 ideas. It's a 60-odd page, full-color landscape format book called 15 Ideas for Midlife Mastery. It's a great way to kickstart your journey onto midlife mastery. Go and grab that. It's midlifetribe.com forward slash 15 ideas. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show. And if you could leave a rating and an honest review, it really helps others to find the show. You can follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Midlife Tribe. Till next week, thanks for listening. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. For more ideas on creating the perfect second act, go to midlifetribe.com and learn how to master your time, your money, and your life.